Good morning. I am so glad to see all of you. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm one of the pastors here. This is my first Sunday back after maternity leave. Uh, we welcomed our daughter, Madeline, on August 26th. So I'm just very, very glad to be back with you at the start of Advent. Um, thank you for all your encouragement and love and support uh, on my leave. Today does begin the season of Advent, as we've been talking about throughout this service. And if you're new to the church, this is a time in which we anticipate the birth of Jesus at Christmas. We watch and we wait with expectancy for God to break into our world, to come in the flesh. This year, we are starting a sermon series called Expect the Unexpected. Are there any uh, Big Brother reality TV show fans in here? Okay, there were also zero in the 8.30, so um, you guys check out that TV show. <laughs> they say that line all the time. But expect the unexpected. We're starting there because as we look at these stories that lead to Christmas, we see that we have a God that surprises people, that startles them, that stirs them, often in the ways that they least expect it. So as we begin our Advent season today, I want to start with an analogy. Um, not only did my family have a baby over the last three months, we also moved into a new house. So the last two and a half weeks have been a little crazy for us. There are boxes everywhere and, you know, we're, we're still a mess. Uh, but we gained a little bit of space. So on the second floor of our house, there's now this um, great den with carpet. Wow. And my son, Lewis, who's three-year-old's, three years old, can spread out all his toys. So his toys are just like spread out around the room and he can see everything. And when we did that, it was like Christmas came early for him, right? Like he's running from toy to toy, playing with everything, looking at things he hasn't seen in like a year. So I watched him as he picked up this toy that he hasn't, um, hasn't played with in a while. His, one of his grandmothers gave it to him about a year ago. And on one side, uh, it's numbered one through 10 and the words are written in English. And on the other, uh, the numbers are written in Spanish, and there's actually some Braille. And you just, you know, pop the numbers in and out. Well, when he first started to play with this, all he could do was pop the slots, right? Now that he's a year older, he can look and identify the colors. He can name those to me. Uh, he can identify the numbers, so he says that out loud as he counts and he pushes them in. Um, he's different. He comes with greater knowledge and more experience and maturity and growth. And you know, that is how we approach scripture. We come to it time and time again, but, but every time we come to it, we come with a different experience. We come with growth, we've come with maturity. And so that is sort of my challenge for us as we start Advent. If you have been a part of Advent for 10 years or 50 years or 80 years, there is a way for you to come to this scripture and encounter it differently. You are different, and God has a different message to give to you this year. So this first story in our season is about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, we know that Zechariah was a priest from the line of Abijah. I think we all said that differently. <laughs> we know that Elizabeth actually also comes from priests, from the line of Aaron. And it probably would have been expected of her to marry a priest as well. We also know, Scripture tells us, that the couple was old that they were unable to conceive a child, that they were righteous and blameless and faithful. And so on that day when Zechariah was fulfilling his priestly duties, an angel of the Lord came to him. Now at the time, 
there were thousands of priests. And so it's important to understand that they were divided into 24 groups. And each group of priests served twice a year for a week at a time in the temple. It was an honor for those lots to be cast and for you to be chosen to be the one to go into the sanctuary and offer those incense. It was actually sort of a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So this is Zachariah's moment. And he is walking into this building that uh, would have looked like a tall, uh, narrow room with no windows, uh, with dimly lit candles. And it's in that moment that he is standing there that this angel comes out of nowhere and startles him and scares the CRAP out of him. <laughs> now, I think that we would uh, react the same way he did, uh, looking startled and afraid. So the angel says to him, do not be afraid. Look, Zachariah, your prayers have been heard. They've been answered. A baby is coming to you. He will be a joy and delight, and he will prepare the way of the Lord. And Zechariah, I think, also says what we would say, well, how is that possible? He says, I'm old. My wife is old. We're beyond this point in our life. But the angel says, look, since you don't believe me, you're going to fall silent. And for nine months and eight days, Zechariah cannot talk. I guess that could have been a good thing for Elizabeth, right? <laughs> so first and foremost, I notice in this story, and I want to keep pointing out to us in this season, that we have a God who stirs and startles and surprises. In fact, if we look at scripture over and over, we see God do this time and time again. We see it happen many times with an angel, and we're going to see that angel continue to appear in our Advent stories. Uh, this was something called an Old Testament Annunciation. So uh, the readers would have expected for this angel to appear, and they would have actually expected for this pattern to unfold with Zechariah. First, an angel comes, uh, the person who's there is afraid, the angel gives gives them a beautiful message, the person objects to it or doesn't believe it, and so then the angel uh, gives them a way to guarantee that this is going to take place. And I'm guessing that's Zachariah falling silent. So he may have been expecting to have this sacred and holy moment alone with God in this once-in-a-lifetime moment, but he was not expecting for the longings and desires of his heart and Elizabeth's heart to be fulfilled. Because my husband uh, Mark and I are in the newborn phase again for the second time, um, we're remembering that you don't get a lot of sleep, right? <laughs> and parents of newborns really want their kids to sleep. Um, when they're learning to sleep, there's a lot of things that get in their way, like three-year-old brothers or the dog or the garage door or like a pin dropping on the floor. But another one of those things that, get in, that gets in their way, that's a part of their system, is called the startle reflex. Who knows about the startle reflex? <laughs> yeah, every parent raises their hand. Uh, I think the technical term is moro reflex, but it's this involuntary response that babies have. They're built with it. Um, it's responding to noise or to movement or sound. And so most of the time it looks like when a baby is finally starting to drift to sleep, Something startles them and their legs go everywhere and their hands go everywhere. And it's hard for them to learn to push past that. Now, when babies get to be about three to six months old, that startle reflex goes away. And they're able to sleep, they're able to be still and to be quiet. So as I thought about our story today, it made me wonder 
how many of us need our spiritual startle reflex back, right? How many of us have lost our ability to be startled and surprised and stirred by God? Are we living as if we expect God to break in and break through and stir us? See, we are entering one of the most magical times of year, and I think we need it, right? Our society needs it. We turn on our fireplaces, and we put on Bing Crosby, and we uh, make gingerbread houses, and we put lights in our yards, and send Christmas cards, and Amy Sigmund's going to bake like a thousand cookies this year. <laughs> That's my guess, so... <laughs> You know, this season, it brings us so much joy and life, and there is nothing wrong with those things. I can't wait to go home and put up my Christmas tree. But I want you to hear me when I say that nothing compares to the magic and the wonder and the mystery of God's work, right? Nothing compares to the ways that God wants to move and stir in your life. Nothing compares to those holy moments in a dark room lit by candlelight where God shows up and answers the longings and fulfills the desires of your heart. As you enter into this season of Advent, is your spiritual startle reflex intact? The second thing that I noticed in this story is that in this dark, narrow room with no windows, God announces to Zechariah that he's going to be a parent, but in his old age. Now, when you step back and you look at the stories of Advent, what I love about them is that every age is a part of it. We have teenagers and Mary and Joseph. Uh, today, we have older people like Zechariah and Elizabeth, people who had been faithful to serving God their entire lives. And I imagine that in some way, we can all relate to Zachariah's reaction to the angel, right? He says, I'm too old for this. Now, I have a lot of new steps in my new house, and my knees have hurt for the first time in my life. And I found myself saying, I'm too old for this. But in a deeper sense, today there may be some of you who are in your 70s or your 80s or your 90s, and you're wondering, does my voice matter? Does my presence matter? Does my service matter? And this story says, yes, you matter. Your service, uh, what you give to the church, what you give to the community, it matters. God isn't done with you yet until you breathe that final breath. I want you to say, God isn't done with me yet. God isn't done with me yet. Say it again. God isn't done with me yet. God isn't done with you yet. You have a role to play in birthing God in the flesh here on earth right now. Finally, I couldn't help but notice uh, for the, maybe the first time this year as I came to this scripture different than I was last year, that this is a story about infertility, which means it's a story about pain. We are told that Elizabeth um, is not able to conceive. I guess at the time there was no consideration that it could have been Zachariah. Um, we know that she experienced cultural shame and disgrace because at the end of the story, this is what she says, the Lord has done this for me. God has taken away my disgrace among the people. So as I thought about Elizabeth, I thought about all the women I know that have struggled with infertility 
I thought about what it feels like to be a woman who sees a negative pregnancy test yet again, to wait and to hope and to watch and to pray that you become pregnant. I thought about what it feels like to be anxious throughout your entire pregnancy, to worry about loss, to experience loss, to hold trauma in your body, to have your dreams dashed. I thought about the shame and the disgrace that some women still feel from cultural expectation. So I asked a young woman in our church who has experienced infertility and shared that with me to read this scripture with me. I wanted to know how she saw it. She said she tried to conceive for years. It was long and hard, and ultimately she did end up with a beautiful baby girl. But she said all of that was tough. If you're going through it and you haven't seen success, you feel and you hear scripture so differently than if you've been successful. She remembers not wanting to talk to people who had success or be around other pregnant women, but wanting to be with people who could understand how she felt. But then she said this, and this is what really stuck with me. She said, I wonder how did Zachariah and Elizabeth respond before they ended up with a child? She said, how can we, when we are so broken and defeated, shape our thinking to focus on God's grace? How do we find grace in the tough moments? What are the daily strategies that we form to seek and find blessings? She said she had a friend that made her text her five things every morning that she was grateful for. And that friend celebrated with her and prayed over her. She said, it is learning how to shape our minds when the world tells us that we can't. Now, I wanna stop there and just say, if you are someone who's experiencing infertility, in some cases, a baby comes and that feels like a huge blessing. But listen to me, you are not any less blessed by God if you never conceive a child. God is not withholding from you. So if that's the journey you're walking, we wanna walk with you. You are not alone in that. But in a larger way, what I see is that any infertility in your life, any barrenness or bleakness that you are experiencing, uh, this advice is practical and helpful. See, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, we can keep showing up. We can be faithful and blameless. We can read our Bibles. We can shape our thinking and stay focused on God's grace. We can form daily strategies to see and find God's blessings. We can see what the silence has to say to us, like Zachariah, who was quiet for nine months. It doesn't mean we bypass lament. That is also faithful. But it means we have strategies to stick, stick with God and believe that God is going to show up. Because ultimately, this is what I wanna to say to you, church. This is what I feel like God placed on my heart today. This is a story that shows us however bleak or dry your landscape looks, however tiring or stressful your work life is, however lonely your house feels, however stripped down to your core, laid barren and exposed, naked and vulnerable you are, however defeated and crushed your spirit, God will break through and break in and birth something new out of your barrenness. God will bless you, maybe not in the way you expect. God will take away your disgrace. God will be faithful to you. God will make a way when there is no way. God will startle you and surprise you and stir you because God is not done with you yet.
God is not done with you yet. Thanks be to God. Amen.